0: Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language of this podcast are of an adult nature, and can be disturbing, frightening, and even in some cases, offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Hey, there is very, very adult content ahead, and you have been warned. Welcome heathens welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained as always i am your host nicole delacroix and together we will be investigating stories about the weird wonderful unexplained eerie scary and downright unbelievable there will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, we're going to be exploring the phenomena known as Past Life Regression, Now, obviously, we've all experienced deja vu because we're in the Matrix, you know that. And maybe you might have a weird phobia that really doesn't make any sense to you. But hold on, we're only going to be doing a cursory glance this time at past lives, but I promise we will find our way back here yet again. <laughs> That's a pun if you got it. <laughs> now, before we jump in head first, we do have a little business to attend to. And since this does have a great deal of meat to this story, I'm going to let you guys pick your poison this time. Just remember, the drinking game, as always, is for those of us that have nowhere else to go tonight. So make sure you drink responsibly. Alright, now for the game part. Every time I say regression, that's going to be a single shot. And every time I say hypnotherapy, that's going to be a double shot. Alright, now that we've got the business end out of the way, we are now free to jump into today's dark enigmas as we visit our past lives. Do you believe in past lives? And no, I'm not just talking about fantasy novels or fairy tales. A past life regression is available as a form of hypnotherapy that is used to heal and transform the root causes of physical disease and entrenched emotional isu- issues and patterns. Past life regressions can help us connect with our souls to get answers about our relationships, career aspirations, fears, desires, and even life purpose at large overall. Past life regression is based in a belief of reincarnation, namely that your soul is eternal and indestructible. Held by many cultures and spiritual traditions, it's believed that your soul evolves lifetime to lifetime in different bodies to learn and grow so that you ultimately fully embody and realize that you are a spiritual being. I know, seriously, I need some pot or something to smoke because this is some serious hippie shit today, but I love you guys and I love this stuff, so hopefully you're loving it too. A second belief of those of us that believe in past life regression, because I'm pretty sure I was a queen in another lifetime, even though I'm definitely a queen in this one. But a second belief is karma, the spiritual principle of cause and effect, in which your past experience, thoughts, and actions directly impact your present and future. While it's commonly understood from psychology that our parents' childhood and life experiences impact who we are in this lifetime, karma takes this concept further to span your soul's past lives, so all your lifetimes. So I must have been pretty freaking bad in all my past lifetimes because this lifetime sucks. All right, other than you guys, because I love you guys part of the hesitancy around understanding past life regressions is that none of us is aware of what's happening in our subconscious in any given moment during the day. But we do have those moments where our issues and experiences simply mystify us. Have you ever had deja vu when you meet someone? Like visited a new place or did something and all of a sudden just feel familiar? That feeling of I know you, or I know this, even though you can't quite put your finger on just how. Do you wonder why you're here on Earth? I know why I'm here. (laughs) I am here to destroy you. No, that's okay. I'm here for Tom Hiddleston. Well, that's true. But, you know, if he wants me, I'm here. What your sole purpose is? I know what my sole purpose is. I'm here to destroy you. Seriously. No, I'm just kidding do you ever wonder who you were in a past lifetime? Oh, I know I was a queen. I know. And do you ever wonder why you adore or feel repelled by somebody? Like, have you ever had that just instant connection with somebody and you just feel like you've known them your entire lifetime? Now, I know I felt this way when I met my bestie Ivy. And to this day, we can finish each other's sentences. And honestly, we don't have to spend any time together. We just immediately in sync. And honestly, I believe that in a previous lifetime, we were probably sisters, possibly mom and dad. I don't know. Who knows? I'm pretty sure we dated at some point. I have no idea when it was, but, you know, ponder on that for a little bit. Now, there is evidence that possibly all people have previously existed in another body and lived another existence. When anomalous memories appear as personal recollections, those who experience them tend to believe that they stem from their own previous lives. However, the memories that surface in consciousness are not likely to be past life recollections at all. Instead, they appear to be experiences of the reincarnation type. The latter are widespread as well. Stories suggestive of reincarnation are not limited, whether geographically or culturally. They occur in all corners of the planet and among people of all cultures. There is, of course, more to reincarnation than just memories. For reincarnation to have actually taken place, the consciousness of the foreign personality must have entered the body of the experiencing subject. In esoteric literature, this is known as the transmigration of the spirit or soul. It's said to occur in the womb, perhaps already at conception or shortly thereafter, when the rhythmic pulses begin that develop into the heart of the embryo. The spirit or soul of an individual does not necessarily migrate to another individual. Buddhist teachings, for example, tell us that the soul or spirit does not always reincarnate on the earthly plane or even in a human form. It may not reincarnate at all, evolving to a spiritual domain from where it either does not return or returns only to fulfill a specific task it was to accomplish in its preceding incarnation. Perhaps the main variable is the age of the person who has a reincarnation type experience. Those who do so are mostly children between the ages of two and six. Mostly after the age of eight, the experiences tend to fade, and with a few exceptions, they vanish entirely in adolescence. The manner in which the reincarnated personality has died is yet another variable. Those who suffer a violent death seem to be more frequently reincarnated than those who died in a very natural way. Reincarnation stories tend to be clear and distinct in children, whereas in adults they are mostly indistinct, appearing as vague hunches and impressions. The more widespread among them are that déjà vu feeling, recognizing a side or a happening one sees for the first time as being familiar to you. The sensation of déjà vu, encountering a person for the first time with a sense of having known him or her before, also occurs, but it's less frequent. Whether reincarnation stories convey verifiable information, evidence, and proof about places, people, and events has been tested in reference to eyewitness testimonies and birth and residence certificates. The experiences are oft, often turn out to be corroborated by witnesses as well as by documentation. Sometimes even minute de- details correspond to real events, persons, and sites. Vivid reincarnation stories are accompanied by corresponding patterns of behavior. Behaviors suggested of a reincarnated personality appear even when that personality was of a different generation and a different gender like, you know, how I love 60s music, but I'm like only 25. I mean, seriously, (laughs) I'm kidding. A young child could manifest the values and behaviors of an elderly person of the opposite sex from a past life, even. The pioneering research on recent reincarnation stories is the work of Ian Stevenson, a Canadian-American psychiatrist who worked at the University of Virginia School of Medicine. During more than four decades, Stevenson investigated the reincarnation-type experience of thousands of children, both in the West and in the East. Some of the past life memories recounted by the children have been verified as the experience of a person who had lived previously and whose death matched the impressions reported by the child. Sometimes the child even carried a birthmark associated with the death of the person with whom he or she identified, such as an indentation or discoloration on the part of the body where a fatal bullet entered, or a malformation on a hand or the foot that the deceased might have lost. In a path-breaking essay published in 1958, called The Evidence for Survival from Claimed Memories of Former Incarnations, Stevenson analyzed the evidence from reincarnation stories of children and presented narratives on seven of those cases. These past-life cases turned out to be verifiable, with the incidents recounted by the children recorded in often obscure local journals and articles. And real life past stories or real past life stories are not always exciting or revealing. They may provide you with snippets of explanations or even a sense of closure. Sometimes past life experiences can leave you with more questions than answers. It's important to remember not to obsess over the past and enjoy what you can learn. So some stories of past lives are well more well known than others, and we're going to start with one that's pretty well known and very well documented. We're going to be talking about the reincarnation of John B. Gordon as Jeffrey Keane. In his book, Someone Else's Yesterday, Jeffrey Keene tells the story of his spontaneous past life recall of a previous reincarnation as Civil War General John B. Gordon. Keene explains he was exploring the Bloody Lane at the Antietam battlefield when he was suddenly overcome with perplexing emotion. After this experience, Keene began having recall of Gordon's life, and he was able to verify his experiences through meticulous research. Along with a strikingly similar physical appearance between the two men, Keene was able to document multiple coincidences that seemed to have linked both of their lives. Keene's research is sometimes called the most well-documented case of a past life available. Other cases are less well-known, but they're still just as true. So we're going to talk about Victoria's child. Victoria was born in London in 1946, shortly after the end of World War II. Growing up, she often heard her parents recount tales of their experiences during the war. Shortly before her 10th birthday, though, she began menstruating and experiencing nightmares. (laughs) I don't know about you, when I got my period, I had nightmares too. (laughs) Anyways, in every dream, she was running through a burning house and she could hear a baby crying. She desperately tried to find the baby, but always woke screaming when she couldn't get to the baby in time. For the next two decades, this dream would recur over and over again. The dreams started to intensify after the birth of her first child. Concerned for her own mental health, she began to see a psychologist regularly. The psychologist thought the dreams might express a natural fear of losing her child, but could not explain why the dreams repeated for more than 20 years. Victoria turned to a friend who, well, could read Palms. After reading her palm, her friend recommended that she look into her own childhood. Discussing the situation with family and friends turned up no incident involving fire in Victoria's childhood. Research into where she lived as a child also turned up absolutely nothing. But after the birth of her second child, the dreams abated for a while, but they returned when both children were old enough to start going to school. Frustrated by the persistence of the dreams, Victoria began researching every possible answer. She read an article advertising past life regression in a magazine and called for an appointment. The regression was conducted by a licensed hypnotherapist and he provided Victoria with her first real breakthrough. After several sessions, Victoria Victoria was able to put the pieces together. In 1942, Her name was Ellen, and she lived in a townhouse in London. She took care of her grandson and husband. And one night, German bombs began to fall on the city, and a fire spread through their home. The baby was upstairs when the fire broke out. Despite numerous attempts, she could not get to the baby from downstairs. And she passed away a year later, never having recovered from the loss of the infant. And Victoria was born in 1946, just four short years later. Victoria eventually located a graveyard that she believed was the final resting place of Ellen and her grandson. She visits it regularly and leaves flower for both of them, but since clarifying the memory, she's never had another dream about fire. Interesting, right? So, we're now going to talk about A Death by Hanging. Anne Addison began researching her past life as a part of her religious studies. She believed in reincarnation and rebirth. Anne's issues with her current life were related to several pet peeves that haunted her daily life. For example, she hated to be closed in, and she always needed to have a door or a window open. She disliked necklaces that didn't dangle, and she especially hated turtlenecks of any kind. I hate them too, they look stupid. She refused to wear scarves and often complained that anything tied on her throat felt like choking. After two full past-life regressions, she discovered the background related to that choking sensation. In the late 1600s or early 1700s, she had been hung to death for an unspecified crime. Before the hanging, she spent several weeks locked in a very small room with absolutely no windows. Anne's experience in that life eventually colored her reactions in this life. Interesting, you know I have a thing about bridges over water? I wonder if I died over a bridge over water at some point. Or maybe I just don't like that song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. I don't know, one of the two. Anyway, so let's talk about the case of Ma Tin Ong Miao. This case involves a Burmese girl called, obviously, Ma Tin Ong Miao. Yeah, it's Miao, and I'm going to say Miao Miao Miao. So get over it. Now, she claimed to be the reincarnation of a Japanese soldier killed during the Second World War. And this case spans huge cultural differences between the person reporting the experiences and the individual whose experiences she's reporting. In 1942, Burma was under Japanese occupation. The Allies regularly bombed the Japanese supply lines, particularly the railways. The village of Nathul, was no exception, being close to the important railway station at Puong. Regular I know, I should have called that Putang, but no it's Puang. Anyways Regular attacks made life very hard for the villagers who were trying their very best to survive. Indeed, survival meant getting along with the Japanese occupiers. For villager Da A Tin, who was later to be the mother of Ma Tin Ong Miao, This meant discussing the relative merits of Burmese and Japanese food with the stocky, regularly bare-chested Japanese army cook who was stationed in the village. The war ended and life returned to a semblance of normality. In early 1953, Daw found herself pregnant with her fourth child. The pregnancy was normal, with the odd exception of a reoccurring dream in which the Japanese cook, with whom she had long lost contact, would follow her and announce that he was coming to stay with her family. On December 26, 1953, Da finally gave birth to a daughter and called her Ma Ang Miao. The baby was perfect, with one small exception, a thumb-sized birthmark on her groin. As the child grew up, it was noted that she had a great fear of aircraft. Every time one flew overhead, she would become agitated and cry. Her father, Yu A. Myung, was intrigued by this as the war had been over for many years and aircraft were now simply machines of transport rather than weapons of war. It was really, therefore, kind of strange that Ma was afraid that the aircraft would shoot at her. The child became more and more morose, stating that she wanted to go home. Later, home became more specific. She wanted to return to Japan. When asked why this was the case, she stated that she had memories of being a Japanese soldier based in Nathul. She knew that she had been killed by machine gun fire from an aircraft, and this is why she feared airplanes so much. As Ma Ting Ao Miao grew older, she accessed more past life memories of the life of her previous personality. She was later to tell Ian Stevenson that she remembered that the previous personality came from northern Japan and that he had five children, the eldest being a boy, and that he had been an army cook. From then on, the past life memories became more and more precise. She remembered that she, as the Japanese soldier, was near a pile of firewood next to an acacia tree. She described wearing short pants and no shirt an Allied aircraft spotted him and strafed the area around him. He ran for cover, and as he did, he was hit by a bullet in the groin, which killed him instantly. She described the plane as having two tails. This was later identified as substantial reincarnation evidence being a Lockheed P-38 Lightning, an aircraft used by the Allies in the Burma campaign. In her teens, Ma Tin Ang Miao, showed distinct masculine traits. She cropped her hair short and refused to wear female clothing. Between 1972 and 1975, Ma Teen Ang Miao was interviewed three times about her reincarnation me- memories by Ian Stevenson. She explained that she wanted to be married to a woman and had a steady girlfriend. She said that she did not like the hot climate of Burma nor its spicy food. She much prefer- preferred highly sweetened curry dishes And when she was younger, she loved to eat semi-raw fish, only losing this preference when a fishbone got stuck in her throat. Interesting, right? All right, now we're going to talk about paddy fields of tragedy. I know, (laughs) don't tell me, I know. How about a Sri Lankan girl remembered a past life in which she had drowned in a flooded paddy field? She described that a bus had driven past and splashed her with water just before she died. Subsequent research searching for the proof of this reincarnation found that a girl in a nearby village had drowned after she had stepped back to avoid a passing bus while walking on a narrow road above flooded paddy fields. She fell backward into deep water and died. The girl who manifested this experience had, from a very early age, shown an irrational fear of buses. She would also get hysterical if taken near deep water. She had a fondness for bread and had a liking for sweet food. Hey, so do I. That, that's not unusual. But this was unusual because in that her family did not like either. However, the previous personality was noted for both of these preferences. Interesting, right? So we pick up traits from our previous personalities, I guess. All right. Now we're going to talk about the case of Swarnlata Mishra. I know you should be pretty impressed that I'm highly drunk and I'm still pronouncing these names pretty damn good. Wait till I get to the English names. I'm, sc- I'm going to just screw those up just to mess with you. All right. Another case is that of Swarnlata Mishra, who was born in a small village in Madaya Pradesh in 1948. When she was three years old, she began having spontaneous past life memories of being a girl called Bia Pathak, who lived in a village more than a hundred miles away. She intimately described the house that Bia lived in had four rooms and was painted white. She even began to sing songs that she claimed she used to know, together with complex dance routines that were unknown to her present family and friends. Six years later, she even recognized some people who had been her friends in that past life. This stimulated her father to start writing down what she said and searching for proof of her reincarnation. Now her case generated a lot of interest outside of the village, and one investigator who visited the city discovered that a woman, who matched the description given by Swarnlata had died nine years previously. Investigation subsequently confirmed that a young girl called Bia had lived in just such a house in that town. Swarnlata's father decided to take his daughter to the town and have her introduce herself to members of Bia's family. As a test to see if she indeed was a reincarnated personality, the family introduced people who were not related to the child. Swarnlata immediately identified these individuals as being imposters. Indeed, some of the details of her past life memories were so precise that all of the family members were amazed. All right, now we're going to talk about some English people, Patrick Christensen and his brother one case offering substantial reincarnation proof is that of Patrick Christensen, who was born by cesarean section in Michigan in March of 1991. His elder brother, Kevin, had died of cancer 12 years earlier at the age of two. Early evidence of Kevin's cancer was presented six months prior to his death when he began to walk and had a noticeable limp. One day, he fell and broke his leg. At that point, tests were done, and after a biopsy on a small nodule on his scalp, just above his right ear, it was discovered that little Kevin had metastatic cancer. Soon, tumors were found growing in other locations all over his body. One such growth caused his eye to protrude and eventually resulted in blindness in that eye. Kevin was given chemotherapy, which resulted in scars on the right-hand side of his neck, but he eventually died of his illness, three weeks after his second birthday. Okay, seriously, this one's tearing me up because little babies died of cancer. Okay, I'm gonna sniff. Okay. At birth, Patrick had a slanting birthmark with the appearance of a small cut on the right side of his neck in exactly the same location as Kevin's chemotherapy scar, showing startling evidence of reincarnation. He also had a nodule on his scalp, just above his right ear, and a clouding of his left eye, which was diagnosed as a corneal leukoma. When he began to walk, it was with a distinct limp, again, offering further proof of reincarnation. When he was almost four and a half, he said to his mother that he wanted to go back to his old orange and brown house. This was the exact coloring of the house in which the family had lived in 1979, when Kevin was still alive. He then asked if she remembered him having surgery. She replied that she could not because this had never happened to him. Patrick then pointed to a place just above his right ear. He added that he didn't remember the actual operation because he was asleep, which is consistent with the details of Kevin's past life. How nice that he came back to the same family. That's just kind of sweet. All right. Last one, I promise. Ancestral Memories of Sam Taylor. Another case that offers substantial proof of reincarnation involved an 18 month old boy called Sam Taylor. As his diaper was being changed, he looked up at his father and said, When I was your age, I used to change your diapers. Later, Sam disclosed details about his grandfather's life that were completely accurate. He said that his grandfather's sister had been murdered and that his grandmother had made milkshakes for his grandfather using a food processor. Sam's parents were adamant that none of these subjects had ever been discussed in his presence. When he was only four years old, Sam was shown a group of old family pictures spread out on the table. Sam happily identified his grandfather every time with the announcement, That's me! In an attempt to test him, his mother selected an old school class photograph showing the grandfather as a young boy. There were 16 other boys in the photograph, but Sam immediately pointed to one of them, once again announcing it was him. And you know what? He was right. So, what does this all mean? Reincarnation type experiences can be vivid and convincing to the extent that they appear to be testimony and evidence that a previously living person has been incarnated in the subject. This belief is strengthened by the observation that birthmarks on the body of the subject correspond to the bodily features of the person whom he or she seems to incarnate. This is most strikingly the case when the past life personality suffers bodily injury. The corresponding marks or deformations sometimes reappear in the subject, seeming to offer proof that reincarnation is indeed occurring. Many observers of the phenomena, including Stevenson himself, held that matching birthmarks are significant evidence for reincarnation. However, the coincidence of birthmarks and other bodily features in a child with the fate of a previously existing person is not necessarily assurance that that person is reincarnated in the child. It could also be that the brain and body of the child with the given birthmarks and bodily features are especially adapted to recall the the experience of a personality with similar birthmarks and deformities. You know, some people are just sensitive and can pick up on that information. So, what does that mean for us? Well, I'm pretty sure at some point in one of my previous lives, I definitely died on a bridge over water, and it was probably traumatic because I freak the fuck out on bridges. I'm pretty sure that I was also a queen, and I'm pretty sure I probably killed a bunch of people because my lifetime this time wouldn't suck as bad, so I'm apparently paying my karmic debt. But, what does that mean for you? Well, You probably had a past life, one or two, and you know what? Most people won't even remember them. They were probably very tame, very lucid, and you may have died by a bullet or got in a war, or maybe you just died of natural causes. But what does this mean for us? It means that there is something after this life. What it is, we don't know yet, but it gives us hope that maybe, just maybe, we'll be back again. And with that, we've come to the end of our episode, and I do thank you for joining me today. I do hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think happened. As always, you can reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you have suggestions for a future show, or maybe you just want to tell me what you think, or maybe you got a past life experience you want to share, bring it on, guys. Drop me a line. And on that That's all the time we have for today. Thank you again for joining us here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time, my heathens. And hey, we'll be back again. (laughs) See you next time. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.